0: Good to see everybody here this morning. How many you know? How many of you know that there are seasons in your life, right? There's seasons, right? There's that, there's that high school season which seems to go on forever. Then you have your college season, or you started work season, and then you have your family, raising a family season for those of you that are parents, and then you've got your latter seasons where you hopefully become uh, grandparents and enjoy those grandkiddos. You know, there's all these seasons in our life. And how many know that we are going through a season right now in our country? We're in a big season right now. And I believe that God does not want us to be distracted from the main thing. And I believe as we as Christians and the church need to be so careful that we do not lose focus. And it's so easy during these times and things are being so politicized and and just splintering people and relationships. I believe God has a word for us today. And so I want us just to tune in to what God would have us hear and what God would want us to know and how God wants us to direct our lives. Listen, every single one of us in Christ Jesus has been called. What is our ultimate calling? Our ultimate calling is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's our ultimate calling. No matter what, what political slant you may have, that's not your ultimate calling. Your job is not your ultimate calling. Your kids is wonderful and precious as they are, are not your ultimate calling. Your marriage is not your ultimate calling, no matter how wonderful your spouse is, how great they are. It's not your ultimate calling. It's to Jesus Christ. And I want us to make sure that we make the main thing the main thing. This morning and in our lives and in and, and our daily lives and what we do each and every day. And I believe if we can do that, I believe we will not go off course. And as we've been studying through uh, the book of Acts, we have seen how the early church had so much coming against it, so much opposition. How did the church not only survive, but thrive during their times? And I believe it's this one answer. They kept their focus on Christ. They did not lose their calling. I, I remember um, I had a professor when I was in school and getting a theological degree and I had a professor, Dr. Richardson. And I remember it was like the first year and he's talking to pastors and I was in a pastoral studies course. And he said, he said, listen, future pastors, he goes, listen, there are going to be times that you're going to want to give up. There's going to be every Monday you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to give up, right? And, and I remember the one Piece of advice that he gives to encourage us. He goes, the one thing that you can always fall back on is your calling. When you're going through difficult times, in your ministry. He goes, every single one of you will. And what made this professor such a, a just a wonderful man of God is that he spent 20 years in the ministry, and those made the best professors because not only was he book smart, but he was practical smart. He understood the pain and the trials and the deaths and the things that you would go through in your life. He goes, but the one thing that that was a continuum in my life that kept me going was my calling. Listen, it's, it, you don't have to be called in the ministry. It's funny. People will ask me, like, Pastor, how were you called in the ministry? Like, it was some, like, epiphany. So I usually sometimes just want to see people's face. So I'll say, yeah, it was a huge epiphany. One day I was eating my Cheerios, and in my Cheerios, the bowls here just spelled out, be a pastor. So I'm like, just to see, what, you know, I'm just teasing. But listen, every, you don't... A calling is just not for people in full-time ministry. We are all called. We are all called. And so when we're going through difficult times and we're going through difficult season, the thing that will keep us consistent and not to lose hope is our calling in Christ Jesus. The thing that kept the apostle Paul consistent and others that were preaching the gospel in the early church because they were met with so much opposition. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, it's just so easy to look at it and say, why did Paul not just throw in the towel and just give up? What kept him going was the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needed. The world needs the message of Christ. And that's what our world needs today. Listen, it's not going to come in a political party. I get an amen? amen. We got real quiet in here, okay? I'm, I'm touching on it today, so just be ready, okay? Church, I'm hitting on it today. Listen, it's not going to come through a better educational system. All these things that we think we need. The biggest problem in our world today is not political. It's not economical. It's not education. Our biggest problem is sin man rebelled against god that's why we're in the mess we are today and unless hearts are changed and fixed that is the only answer in our world today and i, I want to dig into act 17 because i think this is so um just so important what the apostle paul went through in his struggle to bring the message of christ that he didn't divert from the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though he was met with so much opposition from different types of cultures. And so this is a difficult season for Paul, but he didn't give up. So I want you to look at Acts 17. If you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at that. But let me just ask you a question before we jump in there. And I I just want us to just reflect for just a moment on this one question. If someone were to ask you why you follow Jesus or why you go to church, what would you say? It's an important question for us to ask ourselves. What is the reason for the things that we do? Is it Do we go to church because it's just a cultural thing to do? Well, my parents went to church and I go to church. Or, you know, I just go to church because I feel that's the, the uh, good thing to do. Or I'm a Christian because, you know, it's uh, because I am. Do, you re- do we really understand why we follow Jesus? And what is at the crux of our belief? Is it the gospel message or is it just something we do because it's, it's, it's cultural. We need to answer that question because what kept Paul going was the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul never gave up preaching the gospel. So let me give you a little background here to Acts 17 because this is interesting. Here's what Paul has gone through as we've been studying over the last couple of weeks. In Acts 17, Paul and Silas are traveling through Macedonia And things have not been easy for them. They've been beaten, they've been thrown in jail which we talked about last week, Paul and Silas uh, caused pretty much an uproar in every city they went to. So in Philippi, they caused an uproar. The next city they traveled to was Thessalonica and they caused another uproar for preaching the gospel. And then in the middle of the night, they slipped out to the city of Berea. While in Berea, the people from Thessalonica caught up to them because they didn't like them, which caused them trouble. And then finally, what they said to Paul, Paul, we've got to slip you to the city of Athens. Everything is just in an uproar now. So we're gonna we're gonna hide you out. We're gonna give you a little sabbatical in Athens. So Paul goes to Athens waiting for Timothy and Silas to catch up to him. So here's where we are in Acts 17. So you think Paul said, Oh, good, I need a vacation. I need a little me time. I need a little. Paul time, right? Have you ever felt that way? Parents with young kids that are changing diapers, you know what I'm talking about. I need a little me time. I need a little, just, just a vacation from diapers, right? And so here Paul goes to Athens, and you would think, beautiful city, prominent city, culture, architecture, just a beautiful city. You just think Paul would keep quiet. So in Athens, Paul would cause more problems. I just think Paul and Ruth Brooks would just get along really well. I just think, man, that's, that's just the, I think they would get along real well. So here, Paul is in Athens, and what we're going to see is, as he's looking out at the culture, something disturbs him. He's not caught up in the beauty of the city. He, he doesn't get enamored by what he sees with his physical eyes. Now, you would think that with all the persecution, all the hostility towards him, he would have given up, but he didn't. He didn't. All along the way, what's interesting about Paul's life is there was something or someone that encouraged him, that spoke to his heart. And it's interesting, in all these cities that Paul went to, there was always someone who gave their heart to Christ. And I believe that's what kept Paul going, was the souls of people. He always said, there's just one more. There's just one more there's just one more person who needs to hear you so every situation that you go through in your life god can use it for a purpose if we allow him even during the times that don't make sense god uses it for his purpose so here's what i want us to do as a church let's not get distracted but let's seize the time that we're in now to use for God's purposes, even if things don't turn out the way I like, do we understand that God is still in control and that the message of Christ for the church should never change, no matter what changes around us? And this is what we can learn from the Apostle Paul. Everything was topsy-turvy. It wasn't perfect for him, but it did not thwart him from the message that he was called to. As a follower of Jesus Christ, that needs to be the thing that is paramount in our life above everything else, above my political slant, whatever I may believe. The message of Christ and who I am and how I identify with Christ Jesus should be the driving force in everything I do and every decision I make. My orange juice was expired this morning, so you better watch out today, okay? I'm just saying. All right, let's look at Acts 17 and let's read what's going on here. So what we see here is Paul, while he's waiting for them, for, while he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to come join him in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he, he wasn't enamored by the architecture. He was, he, he was distressed. It bothered him. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both, with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Now, a group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate him, and some of them asked, and they started making fun of Paul, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was doing what? Preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. That's what he was accused of. Listen, if we're going to be accused of something as the church, let's be accused of that. Amen? Let's be accused of being people who share the message of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting. So, so Paul's having a really kind of a cool day. To the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is and what you're presenting. So now Paul goes from the synagogue, marketplace, to the Areopagus. And I'll talk about that in just a moment, what that is. He says, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what it means. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing, doing nothing, but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This is where Paul presents himself. So Paul is not taking a vacation; he's not laying back, having a gyro sandwich. Doesn't it sound good right now? A gyro sandwich, the sliced lamb, with a little tzatziki sauce on there, right? A little tomatoes. Somebody give me an amen. That's some good stuff right there. A little pita bread, right? Have you guys not tried that at all? You know, come on. That's good stuff. So Paul's not doing that. He's not sitting back. He's not relaxing. So what's going on here? Paul could not keep quiet. And what the scriptures tell us, that there was something that bothered Paul as he looks out over the city, this beautiful city of Athens. Paul sees behind what's really going on that they were actually bowing their knees to these false gods. Now, the word distressed here means a provoking of the spirit or a stirring of the spirit. Paul is disturbed. There's a stirring as he looks out at the souls and how lost they are. My question to us as the church is that we should never stop caring about lost souls listen, I know it's easy for us to get consumed in our lives and all of the drama that's going on in our world around us and we lose focus that there are actually lost souls all around us that Jesus died for. So when Paul looks out at the city, he's disturbed because he sees these lost souls that are running after all these gods that are bent, bowing their knees to these, to these pagan gods. And they thought the answer to life was found in these gods and that and that th- this was the thing that created their own knowledge and they were puffed up with their own ideas and their own philosophies. And when, Sp- when Paul spoke, it came in t- direct opposition of their worldview. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know what our Christian worldview is so that we can combat the world's philosophies as Paul did in Athens. We have to know what we believe, and we need to stay on course. I mean, I've been pastoring for 30 years. 30 years. And I will have to tell you the last five years, I have seen more change in the last five years than I've seen in the last 30. Is anybody else with me? The change that we're seeing in our world today, it's amazing how things are changing so quickly and we need to know what we believe and so what Paul does is he comes into direct, they come into direct opposition. He, he comes into direct opposition of their worldview. And so what they do is they call Paul this babbler. It's really a derogatory statement. And so what we see is Athens, Athens was the complete opposite of the city of Berea, where they were very open to the message of Christ. There's going to be times where people are more open, and there's times where people are going to come in direct opposition to our Christian worldview. And so what Paul does is he speaks in three places. He first speaks in the synagogue where uh, he usually started when he came into a city and begins to reason with with the word of God. The second place he spoke at was the marketplace. It was there he was confronted with the two most popular philosophies of the time, Epicureanism and Stoicism. So let me just basically tell you what those two uh, philosophical ideas are. It's, It's very similar to a lot of the philosophical ideas that we face in our world today. Epicurean philosophers believed that the epitome of life was to seek pleasure as a purpose of life. Death had the final say and there was no more with no hope of an afterlife. So basically they were living today and do the most to seek that pleasure and live for today. Stoic philosophers were very different. They believed life goal was to rise above all things so that no one showed no emotional response to either pain or pleasure. So basically what, 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 Their philosophy was was self-denial was the goal in life. So we could look at Stoics as just not happy campers or fun people to be around. Very fatalistic worldview. Epicureans believed that everything was by chance. Stoics viewed life through the lens of fatalism. So to really make it understandable, Epicureans were kind of like Winnie the Pooh and Stoics were like Eeyore. Okay, so that's, hopefully that helps you understand the two philosophical approaches. So these two groups actually mock Paul and his Christian worldview. The word babbler means one who pecks of seeds. They're calling him a chicken. You're a big chicken. right? One Actually, yesterday... It's the first time I ever held a chicken, Pastor Brandon. I held Pastor Brandon's chicken. I know, I held it. I was a little scared. And then it ended up pecking my eyes out. And I'm like, what is this demonic chicken that you gave to? No, I'm just, that was pretty fun. But this is what basically they're saying to Paul, one who pecks seeds. The picture is one picking up ideas, like a hen picking up seeds and spewing them out without really knowing what you're talking about. So they're just mocking Paul. They're just mocking him. Basically, they were telling Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. And his ideas are beneath with no substance. They're beneath us with no substance. So it's from the marketplace that Paul is brought to this third place where he would speak and it was called the Areopagus. The Areopagus or or Mars Hill was a hill where Athenian thinkers and leaders met to discuss certain matters and convene on criminal matters. So here Paul is with the top thinkers of Athens. So he starts in the synagogue. Then he's preaching in the marketplace. A couple of philosophical, philosophical people start saying, hey, what, we, we, hey, why don't you come here to the Areopagus? So here he's in front of the, 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 the supposedly the smartest people in the city. And so Paul is having quite a day. So he begins to speak to them. Now, we may look at Paul and think, man, I could never do that. I could never have that type of boldness in my walk with the Lord. Let me tell you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God gives us that boldness through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we worry about what if somebody asks me a question that I, don't, I, I can't answer, I, I don't understand. Listen, we all can speak to people, every single one of us, on their level of understanding. There, there, there are experiences that you have in your life that can relate to people. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute because Paul does this brilliantly. Let me tell you that we all have something to say. And I want you to take notice how Paul spoke to the different groups he was faced with. To the Jew, he explained the scriptures because they would understand what he was talking about. For those Stoics and Epicureans, he brought the gospel to their level of understanding. And the way he did that, if you read through the whole chapter, is he sees an altar dedicated to this unknown God, and he makes a bridge from this unknown God to the gospel message to those that were the Areopagus. So he says, hey, let me tell you about the unknown God that you don't know about. And he talks about God of creation, and he talks about Jesus Christ and brings the gospel message by bridging that gap. He used their quest for truth to speak of the ultimate truth in Christ. So Paul's three encounters show us that Christ's message can break through any worldview or what culture it may be. Your life experiences, God can use as a tool to share the gospel message of Christ. Let me explain this. When I um, have to do a funeral or funeral service, especially for someone that I may not know or a family that asks me to do it that I don't know a majority of the people there, that's always challenging. So when people come in, I have no idea what their background is. I have no idea what their spiritual background is. And what I try to do is we honor the person that has passed, but I always speak to the people that are there. And the one common thing that all of us share is death. That's the one common thing is that big question mark of death and what happens after we die. And so people are in this setting where they're beginning to think about death because it's right in front of them. A loved one, a friend has passed away and it gets us thinking about death. So I use that as a bridge to speak about death and I'll hit it right on. I'll say there are things that happen in this world that make no sense. And I tell everyone in that room, I'll say, listen, at times life just stinks and it doesn't make sense. It's so interesting how people tend to focus in on you at that point. And many of you know we lost our first child and I'll many times share that story of how death hurts and there's a pain to death. And all of a sudden people start gluing in and you're like, okay, this, this person, this pastor just not spewing out a bunch of scriptures or he doesn't seem like he doesn't care. It seems like he understands about this. And so then I'll begin to question them. Life is a vapor. It's here one moment, gone the next. And you begin to use death to, to, to bridge the gap of people's fears, fear of the unknown, what happens after you die. And so when you begin to bridge it, you say, listen, here's how I deal with the uncertainty. There's a lot of things, that, and I don't try to come off as an expert, but I'll say there are so many things that happen in our life that, we, that just makes no sense and we don't understand why it happens the way it does. I say, but instead of focusing on that, I focus on the things that I do know. And the whole purpose for Jesus coming to earth was to calm our fear and to conquer sin and death for us. And what Jesus does is his life, his resurrection takes the sting of death away from us for those who put their hope in Christ Jesus. And so when you speak that word, many times I'll people come to me after the service and just say, you know what? I know this sounds kind of weird, but this was actually like one of the better funeral services I've ever been to. It's a, you answered a lot of questions for me. Why? Because we all have those questions. Listen, there is going to be something that happens in someone's life that is going to rock them. I don't care how secure they are. Their job is going to let them down. Their marriage may let them down. Their kids may let them down. There are going to be things when we put our leverage and our full weight in our marriage or our kids or our job or this world. I mean, if COVID-19 hasn't taught us anything, I mean, how many of us saw that happening back in December? None of us, right? If our trust is not in Christ, and that's why a belief in Jesus Christ helps us to overcome all the uncertainty of what we see here on this earth. And so we can't ignore it and we have to deal with it. And so what Jesus does is he faces death head on for you and I. And it's funny watching people try to avoid death in the questions of eternity. And it's funny when you ask them questions like, well, what do you believe? What do you think? And and many people don't have a clue. They don't really know. Well, I'm a good prayer of this. And there's so many ways that we can contextualize the gospel into those certain situations. So we address it. Death is real and it's a result of sin. And Jesus came to deal with sin and death. And I tell people what I've learned, not to focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. And we know one thing, that Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, conquered death for you and, I. and so this is where Jesus comes in because Jesus gives us a hope for the future that no matter what we're going through here today, if our hope is not in Christ Jesus, then we're going to be tossed to and fro by the waves of our situations and our circumstances and the seasons of our life, right? Listen many of you parents, you, you, you can relate to this right? You, those of you have kids you know, you, and we 're just Kathleen and I are just in this phase of empty nesting now you know get we 're getting there we've got two more to go you know we 're getting there um, you know as you know, we prayed for our son colby who's an officer in the navy, just left for Nor- Norfolk on friday morning and it 's just weird when you go through those different seasons, and I know for parents, you spend your whole life raising your kids and you pour into them and you pour into them, and all of a sudden they leave the nest and all of a sudden you're just looking at each other like, okay, it's just you and I now, right? And, and you all of a sudden you discover what you were really trusting. Was it a kid-centered marriage? Was it a marriage-centered marriage? You know, was our whole life poured into our kids and, you know, our aspirations and our dreams? And then, and then if your kids don't turn out the way you want them to turn out or they're struggling with life, those things can easily derail us if we're not careful. And that's why through all the craziness of life, if my trust is not in Christ, listen, the minute my kids were born, we dedicated them unto the Lord, right? Amen, parents? We gave them to the Lord. And listen, Christ will always be with us through all the the turbulent times in our lives and all the uncertainties. If my hope is not in Christ, then I'm going to allow my situations or my circumstances to dictate how I live. Paul did not allow his circumstances to dictate the gospel message. He allowed the main thing to be the main thing. I love Jesus's encounter um, with Mary and Martha when they, when they lost their brother, Lazarus. And it, we know the story that he waited and then Lazarus was dead. And so they heard that Jesus was coming and then Martha goes out to meet him. And she says, Jesus, if you were only here, this whole situation would have been different. And how many of us know that God had a plan that Mary and Martha didn't see? God had a bigger plan to show his power over death. Yes, he could have healed Lazarus of whatever sickness he may have had, but Jesus wanted to show his authority over death. Here's the reason why. Listen, oh, this is good. Mm. This is good. Listen to me. Because what what Mary and Martha would need more than anything else is when Jesus would leave this earth, they needed to be reminded that, oh yeah, Jesus conquered death. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He has the power over death. So no matter what we go through, we can trust Jesus. Amen? So, So what he does is Jesus says to her this. He says these words. I'm the resurrection of the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he will live. Martha, do you believe this? And then she puts her faith in him as the Messiah she needed to put her faith in Jesus before she saw him doing anything she trusted him before she witnessed the miracle of him raising Lazarus from the dead it seemed like a hopeless situation but her hope was in Jesus not that situation are you tracking with me church See, this is what we need. This is what the gospel message helps us to do. It keeps us on track so no matter what happens in our life. And and listen, life stinks. It does. And there's a lot of hardships and we're going through a lot right now. God is faithful. I love what John Stott says here. He says, many people are rejecting our gospel today not because they perceive it to be false, but because they perceive it to be trivial. People are, are looking for an integrated worldview which makes sense of all their experience at some point people will come to the conclusion is this all there is they're going to come to that conclusion they're going to look at their lives they're going to look at their pursuits and what they pursued their 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 jobs their career their kids, they're going to look at all that. And and maybe for a time that gave them significance, but there's going to be a time where their rug is going to be pulled out from underneath us if we're putting our trust there. And this is where the gospel message comes in. Paul did not allow the circumstances around him to dictate who he was in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he kept going back to his calling. He kept going back to, Jesus, you called me. You gave me a message. You told me that it wasn't going to be easy, that there would be struggles, but you said that you would be with us always, even to the end of the earth, that you would never leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Church, do not walk in despair. I don't know what's going to happen after Tuesday or if it's going to take... 10 months to figure out this whole election. We have no idea what's going to happen, right? But as the church of Jesus Christ, may our focus be the message, no matter what the outcome may be. May our message, may our message, may our message always be that of Jesus Christ, looking for opportunities, seizing the day all around us to share the only life-giving message that the world needs. Amen? What makes the gospel different? And why was Paul so adamant about staying on track with the gospel message? Because it deals with our existence, it deals with the problem of sin, and it shows us how we can fix it. That's what makes the gospel different. That's what makes Christianity different from every other religious, world, philosophical thinking. It deals with uh, who we are. It deals with our existence and why we are here. It deals with why there's evil in the world today. And it deals with the, with the answer of how we can fix it, and that's found in Christ Jesus. Listen, you put Jesus up against any other religious system or world belief, and he has the best and only answer. I have not found a better answer Christianity. And for those of you that might be here and you're saying, Pastor, that's great. I'm not sure if I really believe you. I would say, Seek it for yourself. Seek Christ for yourself and who he is. And look at how what you're believing and where that ends up, and what Jesus tells us and where that ends up. And that's what gives me peace to live in the world that we live in. Church, let's not get derailed from this message of Christ Jesus. So I go back to that question. Why do you come to church? What would you tell someone who asks you why you're a follower of Jesus Christ? And listen, you can, you can talk about your experiences and what you've gone through. Humble yourself before that person, talk in humility. And I guarantee ears will be open. Ears will be open. And you can share your struggles. You can say, listen, being a Christian is not easy and I still make mistakes. But what I found in Christ Jesus is he has the answers. He has the answer for my sin. He has the answer for this world. And I take hope in knowing that he's overcome this world. And if you can just get someone thinking for a moment, about their eternity, you can get them thinking about their spirituality and where they are, and if they're far away from God, and how to bring them back to God, and how to bring them to Jesus Christ. My question for you, church, is this as we just pray and we close today let's not get distracted. Listen, when the church looks at us as the body of Christ, may they see the grace and mercy and truth of Jesus Christ being exemplified in our life. Uh, My prayer, listen, my prayer is that we would walk in the spirit of Christ. That what people see in me is not my political slant, but what people see in me is the spirit of the living God. They would see something different in us. And let our main ambition and the main goal always be that of the message of Christ in souls. That's our calling. And that's what Jesus commissioned us to do is to go into all the world and make disciples and preach that beautiful message of Jesus Christ. Let the gospel message transform you day by day by day. Listen, it's frustrating out there. I'm with you. It's a struggle. I'm not saying it's not easy. And that's why I got to keep finding myself coming back to God's word. And that's why I love going through the book of Acts and studying the apostles, how they didn't lose track of their calling in Christ Jesus. So when you feel frustrated about what's going on around you, come back to the message of Christ. Say, Jesus, you called me. You didn't say it was going to be easy. You said life would be hard, that in this world we would have tribulation. But take heart, you said. I've overcome the world. And I'm going to put my trust in you. And I pray that we wouldn't allow these difficult seasons, because I have no idea what we're going to face as a church in the next coming years. I have no idea. But I know one thing. Jesus will be with us. And if we stay firm in his message, if we stay firm in the gospel message, we will be a light to this world. So may we love people, those that come against us, those came against Paul, Paul, they called him a chicken, they called him a babbler, but it didn't stop him from preaching the gospel and reaching souls. There's always one more soul that needs to be reached for Jesus. May God disturb us in the right way. May he disturb our hearts for souls and not lose sight that people are lost and dying and going to hell without the Savior Jesus Christ. I want to have the heart of Paul that when he looked over that city, he was disturbed. He was moved in the spirit. They needed to know Jesus. And he knew that he came against some heavy opposition, but it didn't stop him from sharing the message of Christ. Let the love of Christ and what he's done for us compel us to continually be faithful to his word, to speak his word and to live out his, wor- his word in our lives each and every day. Amen? Church, let's be the church. Let's be it. Let's be the church. That, let's be the church this week, okay? Let's be the church and let Christ continue to lead us by his love and mercy, amen? Amen. Father God, we, um, we need you. We do pray for our country. We're told in your word to pray in those in authority who govern over us because ultimately you put them in place. We know that your word says that you lift up leaders and you can take them down. So Father God, I pray that what is paramount in our individual lives and the life of living word in the church is the message of Christ to this lost and dying world. May we never lose our passion for you May we correctly answer that question of why we come to church and why we follow you. May we get that right in our hearts. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would never lose focus of what you've come to do for us. Thank you for your word and how it leads and directs us and corrects us. So I thank you for this body of believers. Lord, strengthen us, give us boldness and courage. Give a sensitivity to every situation that we're in to see it as an opportunity to seize that moment to share your love. Not not with haughtiness or vindictiveness, but with humility and love and truth. May we reach our world around us and be examples and, and have a testimony of who Jesus truly is. If anyone has aught against us or says something about us or, th- or the church, may it be that w- the same way that was said of the Apostle Paul that he was preaching Jesus and his resurrection. <laughs> so, Lord, help us. We thank you for your word today. Strengthen us. Go with us now and we thank you that ultimately you are a sovereign God and you are ultimately in control and we can trust you in every season of our life. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word? Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys for coming today. Thank you for those of you who joined online. God bless you guys. Uh, Keep praying every day. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you.